0: Greenie with Mike Greenberg, the podcast.
1: Well, if there was ever any question how James Harden felt about Daryl Morey, he cleared all that up overnight. This is Greenie on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, Sirius XM, Channel 80. I'm Emmett Golden. Alongside Chris Canty, we are presented by Progressive Insurance. Chris, I... I wake up every morning, and it's a i I think it's a bad habit because I, I, I go right to my phone. And I did that this morning. And the first thing I saw was James Harden calling Daryl Morey a liar.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Not once, but twice, EG. Yes. Not once, but twice. And let me say this before we get into this, because this is my first time doing a show in the last two weeks. I was on vacation. Wife and I went to Napa to celebrate our one-year anniversary but coming back for the first show off of vacation, I get James Harden calling Daryl Morey a liar not once but twice. Let's just take a moment and thank God for James Harden. Because this is exactly what I'm looking for in the middle of August. In between, like, getting excited about the NFL regular season because we got preseason games going on, let's just parachute this James Harden news in here. The fact that he called his general manager a liar and said that he's not going to play for any team where he's affiliated with. Wow. That's a hell of a thing to say. He let it be known a second time for the people in the back that might not have heard it for the first. (laughs) That is a hell of a thing for a starting point guard to say, a team that was in the Eastern Conference second round series. I I just couldn't believe that James Harden would let something like that come out of his mouth. But that lets you know just exactly how how dug in he is in his position about wanting to get traded to the Los Angeles Clippers, the team believed to be his preferred destination. Yeah, James Harden put it on wax.
1: Here he is at an Adidas press event in China.
2: Daryl Noreen is a
3: liar, and I will never be a mark of the organization that he's a mark of. Let me say it again. Daryl Noreen is a liar, and I will never be a part of the organization that he's a mark of.
1: He wanted to make sure there was no misunderstanding, right? Like, I think about Snoop Dogg at the Source Awards when he was like, well, let it be known then. He, he let it be known <laughs> that I am never playing for a team that Daryl Morey is part of. Why is he so mad? Does he not understand how, like, tra- Like you need two, part, two people to make a trade happen. Why is he so upset at Daryl?
2: Yeah, I don't know why. And here's the part that's, that's more confusing for me. James Harden had a player option that he decided to exercise for $35.7 million, which means he could have been a free agent this summer had he wanted to. But he decided against it because he realized the market wasn't going to pay him what he was looking for in a long-term deal. So this is a situation that James Harden created, not Daryl Morey, Daryl Morey ain't the one to blame for this. This is all on James Harden. Because he didn't show up in the postseason when they needed him to, and i.e. that would be game six and game second of the seventh round, second round against the Celtics. The, the, Teams that are viewing themselves as a contender aren't going to trade for James Harden with the expectation that he is going to be their second option. And I'm sorry, if I'm paying a guy $35 million, he's got to be one of my top two options if I fancy myself as a title contender. So that's the world that we live in now when it comes to James Harden's market. It feels like he's the last one to actually understand that.
1: He's Chris Canty. I'm Emmett Golden. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. It's. I think the problem is he's pulled this a number of times and it's went off without a hitch. Like he's. Hey, I, I want to get. I want to get out of Brooklyn. No problem. Here you go. I mean, he didn't necessarily. Uh, make as much noise in OKC, they had to figure out. But he was fine with going away uh, from OKC back in the day and and having his own opportunity to be a star. So his entire career, all he's had to do is say, hey, get me out of here, and it's happened. But, Chris, one thing that I think he may not be realizing, he's in the middle of his 30s, Mm. and it don't hit like it used to. They (laughs) invest money in the young guys, right? Or... The LeBrons and KD. If you're not LeBron, if you're not KD, you're probably not going to get paid like you did when you were 26, 27. This is the NBA, and it seems like James is just expecting like, oh, yeah, I'm going to make a lot of money and everybody's going to want me. And I think the fact that Daryl Morey couldn't move him should let James know it. probably not a lot of places want you, bro.
2: Yeah, and that's the thing, right? Like you saw it earlier in the summer when he had a chance to be a free agent, decided not to because he wasn't going to get that money. Then he made it, let it be known that he wanted to be traded to the Clippers that wasn't going to happen because, you know, the Clippers just don't have the pieces that that Daryl Morey is looking for, and I'm not sure whether or not they want to pay James Harden what he's looking for. So I just – Houston Rockets was another team that was floated as a possible free agent landing spot for James Harden. That didn't materialize. They went out and got Brett VanVleet and Dylan Brooks. So you, you just see that the teams on both ends of the spectrum are telling you whether you're a title contender or whether you're a, a, an upstart unit, They're not looking for what James Harden is bringing to the table. And here's the deal. Nobody is saying James Harden can't play, all right? James Harden has been 21-10 and ever since he left the Houston Rockets, which is damn good for today's NBA. But the problem with James Harden is what we saw in the second round against the Celtics. Outside of game one, no Embiid where he showed up and dropped 45. In game four in Philly where he hit that corner three to push it in overtime and then actually win it for him. He was a no-show that entire series. Think about that fourth mm-hmm. quarter in game six on Philly's home court. James Harden pulled a disappearing at when Jason Tatum went off. He was the guy that you needed to step up in that moment. Or what about game seven when right. they got blasted in, in Boston? James Harden had nine points and seven assists to five turnovers. Those are the games where you need him to show up. Those are the games where the guy that's looking for $35 million a year for the next three or four years, years—that those are the games he's got to show up and make plays in and, and get buckets for you. But the fact that he didn't do that is just re- reflective of where James Harden is in his career. He's not good enough to be one of your top two options, ergo why teams won't pay him that long-term money that he's looking for. So I just think this is a, a reflection of the market. That, that, that responding to what kind of player James Harden is now, not what he was when he was in Houston, and James Harden having a hard time process that reality. He doesn't need to channel that anger at Dower Morey. What he needs to do is focus on how he can be the best version of himself going into this upcoming season, because Philadelphia with an MVP in Joel Embiid and a nice young player in Tyrese Maxey have an opportunity to go on another deep playoff run. Let's hear from Myron Medcalf. He was on ESPN Radio in the
1: morning, and he thinks Harden has burned too many bridges.
4: James Harden is the NBA equivalent of a guy who's on the verge of his fourth marriage. So the whole it's (laughs) you, not me, you always got to look at that from a certain perspective. He got his way in Houston when he left and ended up in Brooklyn to play with his buddies there. That didn't work out. He goes to Philly. Philly gives up a ton to get him. Now he's upset there when the reality is James Harden should be mad at James Harden was terrible against the Celtics. Even though he had a good year, the numbers are great overall, didn't show up in the postseason, which is why there's no big trade market for James Harden. So I think he gambled on himself and lost. He had an opportunity to make a lot of money last offseason, and he said, you know what, I'm going to play out the year and expect a max deal to show up. That didn't happen. And I don't think he should be blaming Maury. I think he should be blaming himself. But this is not 2018. I don't think teams are clamoring for James Harden the way they were four or five years ago.
2: Now, see, the one thing I will push back with Myron on, mm-hmm. last offseason, we're talking about summer of 2022, James Harden left money on the table to give Daryl Maury some flexibility to go out and get some other pieces, right? Like they mm-hmm. went out and signed P.J. Tucker. They went out and got D'Anthony Melton. They, got, they went out and got pieces that they needed in order to put this team in better position to compete. So I don't put that on De- on James Harden. Like, it wasn't like as if James Harden was saying, oh, I'm going to bet on myself. James Harden was saying, I'm going to give my good friend Darryl Morey the resources that he needs in order to put a winning team around me and Embiid. Now, it just didn't work out that way, and, and I think we saw some deterioration of the skill set when it comes to what kind of player James Harden could be on a night-in, night-out basis. And I think that, is the most important factor when it comes to Harden being able to get the kind of money that he's looking for. Let's be clear about one thing. This ain't about Harden putting himself in position to compete for a championship. Because right. I do believe that the Sixers, if the best version of James Harden shows up, has a chance to be in the Eastern Conference Finals. This is about James Harden wanting to get his bag. And the reality is, based on the kind of player he is now, he's not going to get the money or the, the, the years that he's looking for from any other team in the NBA.
1: Yeah, and let's remember the failures that James had in the Eastern Conference semifinals came against a Celtics team that, I mean, they weren't, you know, the the best team in the East for obvious reasons because no. the Heat were able to take care of them. So th- this was a flawed Celtics team. They were they were right there, you know, for the pickings. You could have, uh, I don't, I don't want to say easily, but they were beatable is essentially what I'm trying to say, and you still couldn't do that. And here's the thing. You talked about how he struggled game six and game seven. You don't get to call your shots when you struggle in those moments. Mm -hmm. You get to call your shots when you excel in those moments. When every team in the NBA needs you, then you can call your shots. But when every team in the the NBA is going,
2: "Eh, I mean, we could sell some tickets, he might help us a little
1: bit, then
2: you can't call your shots. Yeah, I mean, that's the reality of where James Harden is. And Emmett, just to give you some numbers, okay, so he balled out in games one and game four. Of the Eastern Conference semis against the Celtics. 40 points. 45 45 against uh, a Celtics team without Joel Embiid. And then in game four, he had that turn back the clock performance, hits the big shot at the end of fourth quarter, pushes it into overtime, and then goes ahead and wills that team to a win. But the rest of the series, so it was a seven game series, the other five games of the series, James Harden combined shot 16 of 63 from the field. (laughs) 16 of 63! Wow! Now I ain't listen. I I wasn't no math major in college, but I know that ain't good.
1: Yeah, I just 16, heard that saying. I could of do 63. that,
2: right, <laughs> right, See, bro. Sixteen or sixty three, and then oh, by the way, I'm gonna throw in what sixteen turnovers for good yeah. measure, seventeen turnovers. Yeah, that that's not good enough. But that's where James Harden is in his career right now, and I think he's got to understand he probably is best served making the most out of the situation that he's already in which is trying to be really, really good in Philadelphia, get this team past that second-round ceiling that they've been running into for the last five years, and then seeing what happens in terms of his contract in 2024's offseason and a situation where Philadelphia might be closer to what they're looking for from a team success standpoint. That's the best option that he has right now. He's not going to be able to shoot his way out of town like he did in Houston or like he did in Brooklyn because he's further removed from his prime. And this is a bigger conversation, but I'm going to put a bow on it right here. Mm-hmm. Players in the NBA, when they're in the heart of their prime or when they can be a force multiplier, when they're a guy that can make the difference between a team being out of the playoffs and a team making a deep playoff run, they're the ones that can dictate to teams where they're going to play, i.e. the LeBron James, the Kevin Durant of the world. James Harden is no longer that player, and that's what the rest of the league just told us because he had to opt into his contract when he could have been a free agent because he wasn't going to get the money that he was looking for and because nobody would be willing to trade for him based on what the asking price was from Philadelphia.
1: He's Chris Canty. I'm Emmett Golden. This is Greeny, and Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance, insurance for motorcycles, boats, and RVs for protection on the road and on the water. See how much you can save at 1-800-PROGRESSIVE and Progressive.com. Coming up, what does Tom Petty have to do with one of the NFL's major holdouts? This is Greeny on ESPN Radio.
0: Greenie, the podcast.
4: Some breaking news out of the NFL. Colts running back, Jonathan Taylor, is seeking a trade. I just don't understand the goal in a league full of guys who will look at this and go, I don't want to be there.
1: Time for us to bring in Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider. Dan how petty was it of Jim Mercer to tweet out lyrics from a Tom Petty song called crawling back to you? We can't help but think he's referencing Jonathan Taylor what are
6: doing Jim. I don't get it. Like what, what is, I guess what I'm wondering is like, what is Jim Mercer hoping to accomplish? Like, does he want Jonathan Taylor on his team? And if so, does he want him to, you know, to, to be at his best, right? Like if you don't want to give him the contract fair, if you don't want to trade him fair, but like, don't drag him on social media, for goodness sake. I mean, how is that, that going to help anything? I, I'm, I'm a little surprised by Ursa's behavior throughout this whole thing.
2: So, Dan, we know Jonathan Taylor was away from the team rehabbing that surgically repaired ankle. He's planning on being back with the team this week. Does that change anything with his stance? And do you see this getting resolved anytime soon?
6: I, I do not see it getting resolved anytime soon. It has not changed anything with his stance, as I understand it. He still wants a new contract, and if they don't want to do that, he wants to be traded. So they've been a hard line on that. But um, yeah, I, I, I don't, I don't know how it ends. Right? Like, if he won't play for them, if they become convinced he will not play for them, then they have two choices. One, they play hardball. They say, "Fine, we don't have to pay you." Uh, or, or they trade him, and I'm sure they're getting calls. And I think, you know, I, I think it may come to that. I think it may, it may be, we may be in a situation where someone makes a call on Jonathan Taylor and offers something that the Colts decide is worth it. Because again, like, what are you, what are you doing? Like, what are you waiting around for? Like, he is, you know, if you're not going to pay him, then he's not in your long-term plans. You might as well see if you can get something for him, right?
2: Talking to ESPN NFL insider Dan Graziano on Greeny, and Dan, I was thinking the exact same thing. Like I was wondering, what kind of leverage does Jonathan Taylor have in this situation? Could this be a situation where he plays out the string and lets this hold out or hold in bleed into the regular season, knowing that this is a player that's coming off of an off season, coming off of an off season where he had a surgery to repair an injury.
6: Yeah, I, I think it's it, he is coming off injury, and look there is a, oftentimes you'll hear people say, oh, well, you know, it's the kind of injury that could get better with some, you know, if they added some money to the contract." I I don't, I don't like that. Right. Like that's like the guy, I don't, I don't know what, what his ankles really like and it may be that it's really hurt and and he's having a hard time getting back on the field. If that's the case, that's probably one of the reasons they don't want to pay him. Um, So I, I guess what I'm curious about is what is Taylor's next move? Like, does he get himself back on the practice field for the Colts or does he insist he wants to trade and then sit out, even once he's healthy, uh, until they grant him that request. I, it's just an odd situation that got really ugly really fast. With a player that, by the way, we've never heard one negative thing about, right? Like, like he's been, mm-hmm. by, uh, by all accounts, he's been a, a hard worker, solid citizen for them. I've sat with him and talked to him at length. Uh, he, he's really impressive. Like he seems to be about all the right things. So the fact that it's gotten to that point between this team and this player is really surprising to me. And, and quite frankly, it, because of all the unexpected behavior um, surrounding this, uh, I think it makes it really hard to forecast how it's going to turn out.
1: Dan, sticking with um, holdouts, which holdout do you expect to end sooner, Zach Martins or Chris Jones?
6: Oh, boy. I think Chris Jones because I think the Chiefs are willing to give him a contract extension. It's just a matter they haven't been able to figure out what that looks like. I don't think the Cowboys have any interest in extending Zach Martin. I think they feel like he should be playing on his contract and – and uh, and I think they're willing to wait for him. So because of the fact that I think the Chiefs have at least made some effort in Jones' direction, I would say that one.
2: Dan, to that end, when it comes to the latter, that being Zach Martin, is this a real scenario where this bleeds into the regular season? Uh, I mean, what ends up happening? What ends up being the resolution? Because a player of Zach Martin's character to go to these lengths and to be so dug in, yeah. you can't imagine that this ends without him getting a new deal, right?
6: Well, well, again, like I, I think the Cowboys have been fairly clear that, that, that that's not where that I mean, look, they he, he's going to be 33 in November, which means he would be 35 in the first year of the extension. And, and I just don't the Cowboys. I think if you if you, you know, got them to sit down with you and explain the situation, they would say, we don't see a lot of evidence that, that guys can play at a high level at age 35 and beyond at this position. So Uh, I think they're they're pretty dug in. And um, I mean, could could you do something cursory like, you know, like Saquon Barkley got where you at least get to, like, pretend you got something out of it? Sure. But um, I don't know. I I don't know where that guy. I think the Cowboys right now are content to wait for him to show up.
2: Dan, is there a world where Dallas would entertain trading Zach Martin?
6: I I don't believe that's that's part of their calculus right now. No, I, I think they I don't think they have any interest in doing that.
1: He's Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider. I'm Emmett Golden alongside Chris Canty. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio. Dan, did any of the rookie quarterbacks do anything this weekend to give you some type of insight to what their rookie season will look like?
6: No, but you're talking to somebody who doesn't really believe in taking a lot out of these preseason games and their performance. Like if you really look at what Bryce Young and C.J. Stroud did like what chance did they have? Like they they were they were under attack. Like the, the the pass protection in front of those guys was was poor. I mean I know Stroud was playing with backups, at least three backups in front of him, and and I don't I mean Young I, I'm not sure, but I I I think that'll be better. Uh, Richardson, I thought I thought Richardson looked pretty good. I, like I, I think he's he's a guy that's got to play, and I think they're going to continue to roll him out there uh, because they feel like he's poised enough to handle it and. Uh, the stuff that needs to be worked on is the kind of thing you you learn through experience. So, uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, the best-looking rookie quarterback this weekend was Aiden O'Connell, so I don't know what you take (laughs) out of that. Like I said, that's encouraging because the starter in Vegas tends to get hurt and the other guy's Brian Hoyer, so you know maybe that's good and can build off of that. But, no, first week of the preseason, I'd give all these guys a break.
2: Yeah, one, one uh, quarterback that didn't look great this weekend wasn't a rookie. It was Russell Wilson, so much so that the Arizona Cardinals' Twitter decided that they were going to troll him after the game. But, About Dan, that. do you read anything into a quarterback that's in his age 34 season playing into the second quarter of the first preseason game knowing how coaches usually handle quarterbacks of that ilk?
6: Well, we know because he's on the record that Sean Payton wants to do everything the opposite of uh, what was done there in Denver last year, right? So <laughs> Russell, didn't play a, Russell didn't play in a preseason, uh, so now he's going to play. Look, they've they they got got to get the operation figured out, right? They've got to make it smoother than it was last year, which is not going to be difficult, but they still need to. I, I think there's a lot for them to do with Russell Wilson. I mean, my understanding, and this is beyond my um you know, my area of expertise, but I go with what I've been told from people who know. My understanding is he has a lot of work to do on his footwork and the timing that he's going to need in Sean Payton's offense. So getting him out there against an opponent, right, that, that's actually trying to stop him, I think it has value in this case because of what they're trying to fix and put together in a short period of time. So I would not be at all surprised to see Russell Wilson again this preseason.
1: Dan, why in the world is Pat Mahomes playing in the
6: preseason? That's how they do it, man. And, and look, they they I, there's going to be a game. I think usually in the third preseason game, I, I'm not, I don't remember, but how Andy Reid does it. But those guys tend to play like the whole first half. So that's just how Andy Reid does. it. He plays his starters in the preseason. He thinks that's the right way to get them ready. Andy Reid is going to be in the Hall of Fame someday. So, like, he must know something about how to do this. I, I understand the apprehension, like the idea that Mahomes taking off and running and sliding, the entire world holds its breath. But uh, this is how they've done it there, and, and you really can't argue with the results.
1: He's Dan Graziano, ESPN NFL insider. Dan, thanks so much for joining us this morning.
6: Oh, it's my pleasure, guys. Thanks for having me.
1: I'm Emmett Golden, alongside Chris Canty. This is Greeny, and Greeny is presented by Progressive Insurance. Progressive makes bundling easy and affordable. Get a multi-policy discount by combining your motorcycle, RV, boat, ATV, and more. All your protection in one place. Bundle and save at Progressive.com.
6: Hey, let's go do our job, man.
0: NFL Nation today.
6: Time
0: is here! On ESPN Radio. The
3: Kansas City Chiefs.
6: 58!
3: This is Adam Teicher with the Chiefs. The Chiefs are hopeful that Kadarius Tony can establish himself as a top wide receiver. The Chiefs have a largely inexperienced group of wideouts, and their best chance for a big season among the bunch comes from Tony. He showed his potential after joining the Chiefs last season. He scored a touchdown in the Super Bowl and set up another with a long punt return. But he's never had expectations like the Chiefs will have for him this season. The Chiefs need a big season from Tony after losing top flight receivers like Tyreek Hill and Juju Smith-Schuster in recent seasons.
0: down to kickoff with NFL Nation Two-A-Days on ESPN Radio.
1: The Kansas City Chiefs look to go back-to-back for the first time of anybody in a long, long while. Uh, Chris, do you think that the Chiefs can get back to the Super Bowl and continue their dominance?
2: Why can't they get back to the Super Bowl? They've hosted the AFC Championship game every year that Patrick Mahomes has been the full-time starter. Was it five years in running? They need to rename the AFC Championship game the Kansas City Chiefs Invitational. Like, that. that's what they – like, so to think that they couldn't get back to the Super Bowl and and win another one and go back-to-back, even though we really haven't seen a team do that in the last two decades, go back-to-back, I mean, yeah, I, I think this is a team that could actually do it. Um, Now, there are some concerns. We have to see how they replace Orlando Brown Jr. They went out and got Donovan Smith and Jawan Taylor, two new bookend tackles. We'll see how that offensive line as a whole meshes throughout the season. You have to deal with the Chris Jones holdout. You have to deal with, I guess, the deficiencies or the growth that you're expecting to see from that young wide receiver core. So there are some elements there that you're concerned about. But the thing that I go back to is Andy Reid, Patrick Mahomes, with those two working together, there's no reason to think that the Kansas City Chiefs can't have high-level success once again.
1: Yeah, when you have Andy Reid on the sideline and Project Pat under center, I mean, <laughs> like, the, the options are are endless, honestly. Let's hear from Pat Mahomes, the Chiefs quarterback, as he was, uh, was with Peter King of NBC Sports, and he talked about comparing his career with Brady's up to this point.
5: I think you always just strive for greatness. Um, obviously, Tom is the top of that. I mean, to win seven Super Bowls and be in ten different Super Bowls, I mean, it's it's crazy to even think about, uh, even for me today. Um, so, uh, to me, it was always about how can I win as much as possible the Super Bowls. The other stats kind of come with it. Um, and I knew at Texas Tech I had put up a lot of stats and not won games, and I knew when I got to the NFL I wanted to, to be a winner. Um, and so I strive for that every year is just trying to win Super Bowls and, and give my team the best that I can. Um, and hopefully that, that ends up with a lot of Super Bowls. Seven's a lot, but I'll, I'll strive to get as close as I can. Well,
2: the fact that it's on his mind is a good thing. Like, I I mean, I want my quarterback to have that kind of mentality. And this is a guy that has the talent in the game to back it up. So there's no reason to think that if he's able to stay healthy, he wouldn't at least be able to challenge or threaten the bar that Tom Brady has pushed so far out in front of everybody else. Um, But but I think it's it's one season at a time. And when you look at this Kansas City Chiefs team, they're going to have some tough competition when it comes to the conference that they play in. Hell, even the division that they play in, knowing that Sean Payton is now the head coach of the Denver Broncos – looking at what the Los Angeles Chargers are bringing to the party from a talent standpoint. like It's, it's not going to be easy for Kansas City to just run it back. They're not going to roll their helmet out there and win a championship, but I think because you trust the sports character of Patrick Mahomes and you trust the football acumen of Andy Reid, you give them the benefit of the doubt in terms of overcoming all of the other issues that they're dealing with at this point in the schedule.
1: Yeah, you just brought up their division. How about their conference? The Bills, the uh the Ravens, the Bengals, right? The ba- it seems like the Bengals are going to be there year after year. And uh, and obviously all this is due um is kind of contingent on health yep. uh, for obvious reasons, but the AFC is tough and I don't see it getting weaker anytime soon. I don't I'm not so sure they can do it, but I would say Pat Mahomes is the only one that has a chance to
2: Yeah, I'm with you. I'm with you on that one. Like at this point, because there's so much parity in the NFL for a quarterback to be able to go back to back, like I give the benefit of the doubt to Pat Mahomes over everybody else. That's just where I'm at with the Kansas City Chiefs. When they ask me who the favorite is out, out of the AFC, it's the Chiefs until otherwise notified.
1: He's Chris Canty. I'm Emmett Golden. This is Greeny. And coming up next, can one Jets receiver go from a pro bowler to a superstar? That and other breakout stars straight ahead. This is Greeny on ESPN Radio.
7: Don't know much about marketing? No sweat. Constant Contacts writing assistance tools and automation features help you say the right thing at the right time, every time. Plus, you can send with confidence knowing your emails are actually reaching your customers thanks to Constant Contacts' best-in-class 97% deliverability rate. Tackle any challenge with Constant Contacts' expert live customer support.
0: Greeny, the podcast.
1: Who's on poise for a breakout season in the NFL? This is Greenie on ESPN Radio, the ESPN app, SiriusXM XM, Channel 80. I'm Emmett Golden alongside Chris Canty. We are uh, brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. Make every moment more. Every year, there seems to be a handful of guys that take that next step. Sometimes it could be a rotational guy to a starter. Sometimes it's from a pro bowler to a superstar. I'll kind of start off by some I messed up last segment by saying, um, there was a Jets receiver that was going to go from a pro bowler to a superstar. All right, look, it was a mistake. He didn't make the Pro Bowl, but Garrett Wilson was the offensive rookie of the year. He should have been in the Pro Bowl. That kind of blows my mind yeah. that he didn't.
3: Emmett, I don't know how you messed that up. That was really embarrassing. Yeah, year. I don't yeah. know. If
1: only I had a producer to that like, could have written, for you me. know,
3: maybe a producer could have like written that tease for you. If only that had happened and he didn't, you know, he, he wouldn't have messed it up like you did.
1: No, he would never do that. But, you know, that's just kind of the hazard of hosting radio shows. You know, (laughs) sometimes you get left out on an island alone. But with that being said, Chris, is there a guy that you have your eye on that you think will make a big step this season?
2: Well, there's a couple of guys, but I'm going to start with that man out there in Pittsburgh, somebody that you're very familiar with, seeing him moss a lot of guys from the Cleveland Browns, that being George Pickens. And all you need to know is the touchdown grab that he had in the preseason game against the Tampa Bay Bucks. Yeah, sound the alarm because that dude is pretty damn special. And he's a guy – that is going to be in the conversation for the best wide receiver in the National Football League at season's end. That's how confident that I am in the ability that George Pickens is bringing to the table. And I don't know what it is about the Pittsburgh Steelers, but they just seem to churn out wide receivers. Every year it's a different guy. Even if you don't know who those guys are, who the guys have, they have a wide receiver every year. This year they got two pretty good ones, Deontay Johnson Mm -hmm. being the guy that's opposite of Pickens but because you have a solid number two, it's going to create ops opportunities for Pickens in one-on-one coverage. And this guy is going to take full advantage of him.
1: Yeah, you know, being in Cleveland, I'm very familiar with George Pickens. And I, I can't front, he is a playmaker. Yeah. <laughs> he is a guy that when you, on on Wednesday, when you show up to the facility, there's going to be a lot of conversation about that guy. Uh my pick is Garrett Wilson, Ohio State guy, no surprise there. I love my buckeyes. But you actually put him with a a good I mean a Hall of Fame quarterback and Aaron Rodgers. I expect Garrett to go crazy and not only for the just just the quarterback being better every day at, at practice. He goes up against Sauce Gardner Every day, and I know the cliche is iron sharpens iron, but there's reality to that. He's getting a good look every day. I think sky's the limit for Wilson.
2: Yeah, I think Wilson is going to be a really, really good receiver in this in this league. I don't know if we're going to see the eye-popping wow numbers just because mm-hmm. I don't think the Jets are going to be a team that's focused on airing it out. They're a team that's going to lean on their defense to win them football games. That's going to be their identity, and the offense is just going to do just enough. Now, is Garrett Wilson going to get his touches? Of course he is, but I just don't know that we're going to see the huge numbers that we see from other receivers at other places around the National Football League. So
1: Chris, I, I'll say this. I think they will air it out. Have you seen did you see the first episode of Hard Knocks? I chance? did. I did. Yeah. Okay, did you see the way the coaching staff was fawning over Aaron Rodgers? Yeah. They were so happy and oh my god, did you see that pass? And oh my god, there's no way they're going to be able to help themselves. They're going to want him to throw it 50 times a game. I mean, just the way that they were. Just it's, it's so in awe. I can't see them handing it off a bunch
2: this year. Well, with that offensive line, if they decide they're going to do that, Aaron Rodgers is going to be hurt by the time we get to Thanksgiving. <laughs> so, I, I mean, the 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 Jets the, Jet, the Jets better know their personnel, not just when it comes to the quarterback. But they also got to know what's up front. You got a lot of question marks, especially at the tackle position. Dwayne Brown, is he 40 yet? Is he qualified for an AARP card? I think so. Yeah. And yeah. then you look at Makai Becton, who's played in, what, a grand total of one game over the last two years? You, you, you go – I mean, like, like, we got to be honest about what the Jets are at that position because that's going to determine a lot of what the ceiling is for that offense and for Aaron Rodgers from a production standpoint. So I just think that the Jets, Garrett Wilson is a great breakout candidate pick, but, I mean, this is a guy that we all know has a ton of talent. I just don't know that you're going to see the huge numbers like some other wide receivers. So Bill Barnwell put together
1: a list, 23 breakout NFL stars for the 2023 season. He has a few guys that he thinks will go from pro bowlers to superstars at the top of that list is trevor
2: lawrence do you agree with that yeah yeah t law is that deal he showed me everything i needed to see in the postseason not just the comeback win when his team is down 27 with about four minutes left to go in the first half but when they went out to kansas city people mm-hmm. forget that that was an absolute dog fight in that first half against the, against the Kansas City Chiefs and Jacksonville Jaguars, like Trevor Lawrence had his team in that game and Trevor Lawrence was making some throws. So I think T Law is one of those guys that people are sleeping on. But now that he's in year two with an actual adult in the building as the head coach in, in Doug Peterson, as opposed to Urban Meyer, I think you're going to see even more growth from Trevor Lawrence. And the one, and the other part that I like about Bill Barnwell, tapping him as a breakout candidate. Is that he's getting a legitimate number one wide receiver in Calvin Ridley coming back. Yeah. And I don't know. E, I don't know. EG, if you've seen the video of Calvin Ridley in, in, in a Jacksonville Jaguars uniform, the dude is moving at a different speed than everybody else on that offense. Mm. He's, he's just moving at a different speed. Like, there's no comparison to the play speed that Calvin Ridley is shown in uh, versus a guy like Zay Jones or a guy like Evan Ingram or a guy like Travis Etienne. It's just different. So I'm excited to see how he can impact the version of Trevor Lawrence that we see on the field. I already thought Trevor Lawrence was a top seven quarterback in the NFL, but I think he has a chance to push himself into that conversation for top three or four in the league. Another guy uh, Barnwell
1: has is Panay Sewell, which you know, tackle for the Lions. I'm excited about. I think he's a good player, but it's hard for me to notice when a guy when a tackle breaks out.
2: You know, because they don't <laughs> yeah. typically lead Sports Center with that. You know, <laughs> straight up, straight up. Like there, there, no, there aren't any real tackle highlights. But right. I like the pick. I think P'nay Sewell is a really good player. He's on a really explosive offense. That seems like they're only going to get better this this year. So I, I, I like that pick. Another guy to keep an eye on: Jawan uh, um, Johnson from the New Orleans Saints, tight end for the okay. New Orleans Saints. A lot of people don't know his name. Um, but he's a guy that led the team in receiving touchdowns last year. And I think with the arrival of Derek Carr and seeing what that offense looked like, um, in, the, in their first preseason game against the Kansas City Chiefs. Juwan, Juwan Johnson is a guy that's going to get a lot of targets. He's going to he's going to be great for fantasy football, but I also think he's going to be great for real football in terms of keeping that offense on schedule and being able to cash in when this team gets in the red zone. So Juwan Johnson, somebody that you want to keep an eye on for the New Orleans Saints. I think he goes to being a Pro Bowl player in 2023.
1: Yeah, there was a guy that Barnwell had as a rotational player to a starter, and that was Martin Emerson. They call him MJ Emerson in Cleveland, and I agree with that pick. He has length and size. You don't see a lot of six-three corners with long arms, and he's physical. And in the AFC, with all these quarterbacks, you better be ready. Coming up next, we'll get more insight to James Harden putting his GM on blast. This is Greeny.
0: Thanks for listening to Greeny the podcast. You can listen live each weekday morning at 10 Eastern on ESPN radio or watch the show through the watch tab on the ESPN app. Also catch Greeny on Get Up weekday mornings at 8 on ESPN and also available wherever you get your podcasts.